Hey, Beth here. In this episode, you may hear a little bit of dated content. Some of the episodes for season two were recorded about a year ago, so you've got references to the pandemic and all sorts of things that were happening in the world that may not seem very current. But all of this content was so relevant, we felt like it was essential to share the episode with you. Enjoy. Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. We're in the business of social media and influencer marketing. So we talk to people every day who've built brands, fans, and followers. We're intrigued by the idea of influence. What makes certain people so compelling? Join us each and every week as we raise our glasses with captivating individuals and dig into what it means to develop a personal brand and have true influence. Cheers to real people and riveting stories. Hey, welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence with Soapbox. I'm Beth. Charlotte here. I almost said I'm Char. (laughs) I'm Char. I like to party. Perfect. And we're so glad Nate's with us. Charlotte and Nate are here. (laughs) Ironically, in the other episode, we talked about your son forgetting his name. He did. did. What a start. Okay, so this is kind of a different shorty episode. We typically have guests. This time we've invited ourselves to be guests on our own podcast. As we should. As we should. And we're digging into, we have four pillars that are kind of the the framework for the Social Proof podcast. And they're topics that we tend to weave into every episode, like uh, workplace culture and leadership and wellness at work. And today we're here to talk about wielding influence, which is my favorite topic. We dig into it with every single guest. In fact, that's why the podcast exists. And it's why we invite those guests on, because they're individuals who have influence And we want to talk about the responsibility that comes with that and, you know, what their non-negotiables are in life. So today we want to talk about what we've learned, almost a kind of season one recap if we were big time, Um, but digging into some of the learnings and takeaways that we've had from our guests about wielding influence. And Nate, I'm going to kick it to you because you actually were just talking about this topic and, you know, some of the the boundaries that people place and the non-negotiables in their life. So. You know, what have you learned from our guests and the first dozen or so episodes of Social Proof about wielding influence? Yeah, I'm glad you explained those pillars to me because (laughs) (laughs) I was like, those are really great pillars. (laughs) Um, Nate just shows up. (laughs) uh, I think... (laughs) <laughs> I think one of one big key thing that I've I've learned um, from this podcast is the the need to be authentic and genuine, and that um, that's probably the biggest takeaway. And we we've always kind of espoused that value here at Soapbox and this need for authenticity, especially in the industry that we're in. But just from listening to our um, our guests and getting to chat with them, all of them have unique stories. But I think the ones that rise to the top were the ones that were truly genuine to themselves. They're the mm-hmm. ones that were turning down opportunities for promotion or, or to, you know, to promote products that didn't fit their, mm-hmm. their, you know, genre or their industry. And they're the ones that are truly seeking to cultivate their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that has some kind of far reaching consequence or, you know, implications for us too, as individuals and just being authentic and genuine to ourselves and, mm-hmm. um, in, you know, our professional environment and 
staying, just staying true to who we are and letting our personality, letting our strengths kind of shine through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, love that. That. Yeah. I feel like we saw that jumping back to the very beginning with Sarah Jane Case of when she was talking about, you know, she knows the Enneagram mm-hmm. and as a leader with her influence, she tries to influence based off of their Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always talk about how we're Enneagram obsessed, but it really does help if you know the person you're speaking, like know your audience, mm-hmm. who you're speaking to, who you're working for, like use that influence as a way of like, Hey, I can connect with you yeah, and I can relate to you. I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge it when is. it comes to influence. Yeah. That was a great episode. That was our very first one. And I think it was one of our most popular Anything with the Enneagram is always a hit. We all want to know about ourselves. We do. (laughs) We really do. But that also, I mean, to your point, Char, that really boils down to wielding influence. And I think, you know, it's been really interesting to me as we've reached out to some of our prospective guests to have them say, so are you saying that I have influence or I'm an influencer? Right. And, you know, these are authors. These are company leaders. You know, some are traditional influencers in the sense of, the type of individuals we hire on social media campaigns, but many are just, they're individuals who have influence um, in the workplace or in their day-to-day lives. And so that's so interesting to me that we all have influence, right? Um, you know, whether only in our immediately immediate family or in our colleagues or in our workplace or maybe truly on a social platform. And so I hope that through Social Proof, we're causing people to pause and think about People do pay attention to me and to what I put out into the world and what I have to say, whether my audience is four people or 40,000 people. So, you know, do I have non-negotiables? Hopefully our listeners are kind of thinking about that and saying, do I have a framework for how I want to show up in the world and how people see me and perceive me? And I think that's a great exercise for any of us. Yeah. Right. It's reassuring for Shar to know that people do, people do care. You sure? You're really tapping into an Enneagram and you're just being rude. Like you're, like, in, <laughs> you're, not, you're not being forgotten, Sean. You're not forgotten. Yeah. It's such a self-fulfilling prophecy for your Enneagram type that you will inadvertently get left off emails. Or I guess I shouldn't share inside jokes on yeah. a podcast. No, probably not. Because there's no context. They don't but. really land. But no. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But thank you for knowing me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's so true. I think of Angel's episode of how she, uh, we were talking about her work, non-negotiables, and she had five pillars for her life. Yes. And I was like, oh, wow. Yes. And then it's like, wait, your personal life can go into your work life as well. It's a way to, I love work-life balance and what it is now and how it it can be integrated. Right. You know, it used to be like separate, like don't even let them touch. Right. But She's bringing that into her work life and how she has influence in her personal life is also how she has influence at work. Exactly. So are there, yeah, I think that's interesting. I'm going to ask you guys in a second, you know, if you have some tips or takeaways from our guests for listeners, just something you heard about wielding influence or have learned in the course of what we do at Soapbox that would be useful. But I'm sitting here thinking about this concept of highest and best use, which I think we've got a blog post up or coming on this concept. And it's the idea that, you know, to oversimplify that you put your time and energy into what you do best. And I think that is a way of wielding influence because I think so often in the workplace, we're taught, you know, you have to do all of these things assigned to you. And of course you do, you know, you have to fulfill your work obligations. 
But there's also a lot to be said for having conversations with your employer or even thinking about your social platforms and thinking, okay, what do I do exceedingly well? Mm-hmm. And what do I not do so well that maybe I should stop trying to prioritize or stop trying to make part of my day? Um, we've seen this a lot, I think, in just how we operate at Soapbox. Like it's, it's real clear. I do sales and marketing. That's how I'm wired. It's what I do. And the more of that I do, I think the more the company benefits Mm -hmm. and the more I try to stick my nose into things I'm not excellent at or, you know, can't do well, you know, it's sort of a loss for all of us. So that's, you know, something that we've talked a lot about, but I think it's an unexplored way of wielding influence, right? To, To think about where your time can be best spent. I like what you said. And I think one of the podcasts that left an impact on me was Catherine Winch and her She's talking about her book, Slay Like a Mother, and some of the, you know, some of the things that she's doing around that. And although I'm not a mother, that kind of the premise of that book is to remove some of that mom guilt, right? And to truly come into your own and, and be true to yourself. And, and I was thinking, you know, as a seven, as an Enneagram seven, I think, you know, growing up, I don't know if you were similar, my, you know, my parents were, they would get on me too. Like, Hey, you're, you're being sloppy, you know, or you're <laughs> rushing and you slow down. Oh yeah. And don't be tricky. Nate, you're being too tricky with everything you do. Like <laughs> I'm going to try to pour my soda, you know, like, <laughs> upside down, upside down. down my back. <laughs> um, and you know, I was always like all of our family videos of like, Nate, calm down, Nate, don't touch that. Nate, <laughs> you know, and like, just, now, like, actually. constantly in trouble, you know? And then, so you do, you kind of take on some of these, um, those roles, right? You're like, oh, I'm a sloppy person or I'm a procrastinator. Like I assign those like titles to myself and, you know, being able to work somewhere here, like at Soapbox where you can kind of carve your own path and, you know, make your own stack of work and be true to yourself. And now that we're learning about each other's work styles and learning about our personalities, we don't have to apologize so much for those, maybe those tendencies that we have but we can truly lean into our strengths. And one of the you know books I read in college was that strengths-based leadership. And that was always, that was empowering for me. It's like, oh, I may have these tendencies, but because I have these tendencies, I also have these strengths, right? right? And, and, and then going back to just being a manager um, and having influence, truly trying to be empathetic and, you know, manage people in the way that is their personality type. Yeah. Like, you would manage a, a Char who's very creative much differently than you would manage someone else that maybe is more of like a yellow Brickman and, you know, is a mm-hmm. highly productive individual. Mm-hmm. Not that you're not productive, mm-hmm. yeah, but, like, you know, you need no, freedom to express. You need, you know, you need, you need freedom and flexibility and deadlines to kind of harness your creative energy. So, Whereas that highly productive and like output oriented individual if you say, I'm not sure, maybe you could just mock this up, mm-hmm. like, you know, create it or set the vision. I mean, that's terrifying yeah. for yeah. them, right? Yeah. And it doesn't, it's, it may not be wise to give a creative person, you know, super rigid deadlines. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we won't get their best work from them. Right. And, and because of that, hopefully that will start to develop with them this need not to have to like kind of apologize or compensate for mm-hmm. a perceived weakness right. in themselves. When really it's just, we need to tap into another strength, mm-hmm. right? So I don't, yeah. that made, I don't know if that made any sense, but no, it made it sense did. in my mind. I think <laughs> even just like, I'm thinking, I feel like every single one of our guests like took time for themselves. They said like, even if it's like journaling in the morning or mm-hmm. like after a quarter or a season, you know, in, after the winter, the new year, like 
I evaluate. Right. I write down even just word vomit on a page, like feelings I was having. What did I do? What did mm-hmm. I accomplish? Even mm-hmm. if it was, I got up this morning and brushed <laughs> my hair, yeah, you know, me. like, and I think I've been doing that recently. Something that I've been trying to do better at of just like, it's actually so at Orange Theory, I'll be on the treadmill and I just hate running on a treadmill because <laughs> I'm just stuck on it and seeing how many miles I'm going, how long of time I have left, all of it. Sounds and like so, torture. Literally yeah, torture. I'm like, please get me off of this thing. And so I will literally just decide to say like, okay, what do I have on my to-do list? How could I do this well? What have I not been doing well? Mm. Even with my personal life with um, work, everything. And I think that's something huge we've learned from our guests to Mm -hmm. not be afraid to look at ourselves in the mirror, Mm -hmm. you know, see ourselves and be like, you could do better at this. Or kind of like what you were saying, Mm -hmm. but just like being better in what you actually are good at. Right. And leaning into that. Yeah. Yeah. And for, you know, so, you know, for maybe someone in the corporate workplace who's listening, those are obvious and they're applicable. I think for an influencer, you're exactly right, Char. You can kind of hear from our guests that one of the things that they all do is is self-assess. They're self-aware. And I think they're spending time to kind of understand their strengths and their weaknesses. And then, yes, we want to translate that into our workplace. But if you're an influencer with a platform and you're thinking about wielding influence, then the same thing is true. That's your workplace. And, you know, maybe you don't need to be an influencer and influential in fitness and lifestyle and fashion and cosmetics and, you know, also pet, you know, maybe there's this one thing that you do exceedingly well and you can shed these norms or these assumptions about what being successful looks like and really lean into that thing that you're very passionate about. Um, And I love that you brought that up, Nate, because I think, you know, those, those norms and those assigned roles that, you know, we get either as kids or, you know, early in our careers, I think the biggest thing you can do to wield your influence is to probably, you know, again, stand on your own two feet and say, actually, this is who I am. And outsiders don't have the right to assign those roles to me or to say, this is how you are in the workplace. You're a procrastinator or you're, you're creative, but not productive. Not that Nate said that, but, you know, as an example, those sorts of things. And you can say, no, this is actually the space I carve out for me in the world. I think a prime example of this is for April Fool's Day. (laughs) Oh my God. We are bringing this up. team dressed up of different versions of Nate. We did. And we did it because it shows that like every version of Nate has influence on us. (laughs) Like we notice all of it and we love it. Like it's like... We want to see all sides of you. And it was so fun. And it was, uh, we were like, we love you as our boss and everything. And this is why we're doing it. But it was just cool to see, like, we each had something that we noticed about Nate that he brings to the table. The sheer delight (laughs) that our team took in that. And I think actually it's rather freeing. We knew your personality would see that as like a humorous gesture of love. And I think in other workplaces that would have not landed very well don't try you know, this at home. He also had a presentation five minutes <laughs> after we pranked him. Probably one of the cruelest things we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, I'm still reeling from that one. That was, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, I, th- I think Ganoose was my favorite. It like, was she nerdy, her boyfriend's epic. clothing. The yes. nerdy Nate or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, so it was Boba T. Nate. Okay, Boba yes. Nate. we digress. Um, so I think a couple of things, you know, we're, we've turned this into not just a conversation about wielding influence um, in the workplace and on social platforms and in the world, but also almost a, you know, 
recap of some of the guests who really stuck with us in the first dozen or so episodes. And I wonder for you two, if there are trends that you saw either in those influencers coming on to talk about influence or just in your day-to-day work in the world of influencer marketing and, and social media, you know, or even tied to this shifting world as we come out of a pandemic, you know, what are some trends that that you might call out or that you've found fascinating in, in recent months? Mm. <laughs> don't, don't beat each I can other be quick. Right there. Um, I <laughs> think one of the coolest things we saw with um, Sarah Steele with her, you know, literally becoming TikTok famous just through her being authentic. Yes. And it's so cool. Soapbox's like slogan is building brands through authentic conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's been in our bread and butter since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think people are really just with all the different platforms, I would say with reels, with TikTok, with everything, authenticity is like what people are looking for mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And I would say even brands are looking for that too. Of yeah. I think HubSpot just put something out that micro influencers are the next thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, welcome. We know. But, welcome. Uh, <laughs> and I loved that of just like they see it's because people are looking for their mom across the street and how they think she's so cool. Mm. What is she shopping for? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's just people being authentic and real. And yeah. that's becoming more and more a thing. Like get the filters off. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Did she steal yours? Yeah. So was, yeah. Really? <laughs> not uh, true no I really yeah, was try. I was going to talk about filters and oh well and good segue like it used to be polished that was the thing right it, yeah it was is how you came across as being the perfect mom or the perfect dad um, and you had these you know these moments in time where everything was perfectly you know put away and the house was perfectly clean and their kids are playing and these perfect little everything was this perception of perfection and I'm so glad that we've moved or I think are moving beyond that. And people can be real and genuine and true to their own voice. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing that through the rise of these alternative social channels. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's what TikTok is and will be. And we're starting to see more of that with, with Instagram um, and, you know, their exploration of removing likes and just to make people feel more authentic. Yeah. Um, So incent them to be more authentic, I guess, or disincent them to be, you know, unauthentic. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's really what I was going to say. Great that was, the, that was wow. the biggest thing that I took, took away as well. <laughs> well, then it's clearly a trend, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and actually cool. I'll build on maybe the same one because my observation is that like, obviously a well-known fact that I'm a fairly joyful person, right? Like I'm known for this cackle that resonates throughout the office and often interrupts our neighbor's recording. Um, but I think I'm happy to be seeing some of that emerging on social media and, you know, meme accounts aren't new. But they've really, they had started to pick up steam certainly in 2019 and 20. But I think in particular during the pandemic where we're all like, you know, we're craving humor, we're craving smiles, we're craving, you know, something that makes us feel good about the state of the world. And I've seen that um, translate as well into influencers who are, are starting to be more tongue in cheek or, you know, silly. I mean, to your point, Nate, it really is like, maybe it's not this overly stylized life. Maybe it's this goofball behind the scenes snapshot um, into, you know, our lives. I follow a couple on Instagram and TikTok out of Canada. I think it's the laughing couple. I can't remember. I'll put it in show notes, but they are just hysterically raw and it, it resonates because we find it relatable and authentic. And it's, it's exactly what I think we're seeking today. So any final thoughts on wielding influence here as we wrap up? I would say the last one. And I I think it's been a focus um, for a lot of 
of a lot of companies and just the public eye is just this, um, along with genuine voices, the need for diverse for sure. and inclusive voices. Yes. Um, and we have, you know, I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts too, just my, my need to better understand what's going on. I think we're all seeking understanding yeah. and then also, you know, um, whether it's my place or not, not being silent yeah. anymore and, and being an advocate for diverse voices yeah. is, is, and, and gender, you know, yeah. the, the gender equality and all of that, just, you know, being, a being, being an advocate for that mm-hmm. and not being silent, yeah. being intentional about yeah. that. I think that's a great point to end on. We're currently, you know, I think constantly striving and thinking about how we can do better in that space and as leaders in, you know, the influencer marketing space. So, um, yeah, great point. Really enjoyed chatting with you guys yes. today. Thanks. Thanks, Beth. Yeah. Right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.